0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. other listeners. I'm so excited to welcome Laura Marks to the podcast today to talk about all things related to the environmental impact of streaming services. So most of you love a good Netflix session. You are going to be very interested in today's topic. Um, Laura is a Grant State University professor in the School for the Contemporary Arts at Simon Fraser University, and she's the co-author of the paper, Streaming Media's Environmental Impact. So throughout her research, she has learned all about the environmental impact of streaming, and she's now sharing how we can change our habits to better the planet. So welcome, Laura. Thanks. It's lovely to be here. Yes. So Laura, I wonder if you can get us started by, you know, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about, you know, what got you interested in this topic about like, why did you get interested in streaming?
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, and I, I've always worked on... um uh, film and media art and i 've always been interested in um film and media makers who think about the materiality of their medium, whether that's film or analog video or digital video and uh streaming video sure. so, um, so i 've always been uh, attentive to the the materiality of the media and um I had to think about what is the materiality of our streaming movies because, you know, they seem so immaterial. Uh, but that's really just because most of the, um, the platform is not accessible to us. You know, we just yep. receive it on our device, but the, the whole infrastructure is somewhere else. So that was what got me started on this research
0: it's so interesting and you know I think about how much of an impact streaming has on our daily lives now right like whereas you know 10 years ago it wasn't even really part of the general lexicon um and so today streaming can really be expanded to include everything from on-demand movies shows YouTube videos mm-hmm. social media video games i mean there's there's so much there um, and it actually even includes, video calls like Zoom yes. and Peloton. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just um, the stereotype of having a Netflix binge, right? It's mm-hmm. it's something that might even be impacting your exercise. So take us through kind of how you determine the environmental impact of streaming.
1: hmm Yeah, I, I appreciate you pointing out that it's uh, it happens on so many different platforms and has really quickly become... Ubiquitous streaming video. So yes. uh, it's actually a little bit difficult to separate streaming video from all the other uh, energy uses within um, information and communication technologies. So, in a lot of ways, you have to do a top down calculation of the, the whole thing. And then uh, try, to, try to estimate the contribution of streaming. But basically, um, ICT, information and communication technologies, consist of data centers uh, where media are stored and where calculations take place and servers more generally. And networks, you know, all the way from data centers to, you know, undersea cables, to Uh your local neighborhood network and the network in your home and devices. So the only thing that we consumers can really keep an eye on the energy consumption of is our devices at home. But one troubling fact about that is that, in fact, uh, something like 85 percent of the electricity consumption of our devices happens even before we buy them it happens in production. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so I'll just, I'll back out from the detail a little bit, just to say that uh, to calculate the carbon footprint of streaming video, you actually have to look at the energy consumption of data centers and networks and devices, keeping their production in mind. And then you have to figure out how much of that electricity consumption came from fossil fuels. So basically now uh, it's calculated that uh, ICT's carbon footprint as a whole is somewhere between 3% and 4% of the global carbon footprint
0: annually, and it's rising fast. And that is taking into account the production of the devices too, is that correct? That's right. Yes. Okay. So that's really interesting and I think an important thing to note too, which is yes, um the devices that we're using for the streaming um you know they also are useful for other purposes, but mm-hmm. it's good to know that you know a large amount of the carbon emissions happening with this service in general is just the devices and I think it's a good reminder for us all to think more critically about e-waste, right? Um mm-hmm. we've kind of entered into a culture of wanting to have the newest device all the time. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's perhaps slowed down a little bit, but remember when like the iPhone came out and they would just come out with a brand new one, like every so often people would just chuck those old iPhones, you know, and and get the new one. I feel like I've seen a little bit of that slowing down, but it's still very much a part of our culture to just Mm -hmm. continually upgrade these new devices where we should probably be asking ourselves like, you know, if your device is no longer working, then can you repair it? And Mm -hmm. do you really even need to, you know, what's, what are you actually getting with this brand new device? Because Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, whether we're talking about the actual production of the device, whether we're talking about the mining of the materials that need to go into them, um, it's a very sort of damaging picture that's painted, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the, one of the most important steps that an individual consumer can do is just um keep your v- device for as many years as possible um you know try not to multiply how many devices you have and you know ideally uh buy a device that is repairable and recyclable uh i have a fairphone oh yes um, which is um uh it's it's repairable and recyclable, and all of its uh, components are made by enfranchised workers and without um, conflict minerals. So it's a nice, uh, sturdy um, little phone that you don't have to feel guilty about, and uh, it lasts a good long time.
0: That's so cool! Yeah, I remember reading about Fairphone. I never had a chance to look at one. Um, you know, in in my in the person, really. But um, Mm -hmm. it's very cool to hear someone using it. And I think the more that we can push existing electronics companies to utilize more recycled materials Mm -hmm. in the devices themselves is interesting. We actually, Mm -hmm. um, Acer recently reached out to us about a laptop that they've created using um, quite a significant amount of uh, post-consumer recycled plastic, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. And I like that they're thinking about this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, of course, can always go down the path of blaming corporations. And, you know, and of course, all corporations have a part to play in this. But when you do start to see them shifting slightly because of consumer demand, that's because they're recognizing that people expect more out of them. So mm-hmm. the more we can keep doing that, the better, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, also the um, the right to repair movement yes. is uh, beginning to make uh, a bit of an impact. And I think you know, although that begins as something antagonistic between corporations and consumers, um, some corporations are going to recognize the demand for um, uh, among people who want to have more control over their devices and keeping them for longer
0: absolutely yeah no i mean it's it's so interesting that yes there's always going to be like two sides to it which is the activism side and then also the consumerism side so yes mm-hmm. i'm hopeful that both of those will work together to mm-hmm. really continue to scale change um so let's yeah. talk a little bit more about you know the the sort of virtual the digital um you know it, ideas that we're talking about around streaming so i know that a lot of people really enjoy streaming music lately, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the iPhone, iPod, that really kind of revolutionized the way that we started to consume music. I remember when, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember we had like Walkmans mm-hmm. and uh, CDs. And when, they, when the iPod came out, it was just seen as such a revolutionary device. So tell me a little bit about like how music streaming actually impacts the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have that much um haven't done that much calculation of music streaming, but uh, it, it's very similar to video streaming. Mm. And the, main, the main difference is that uh, a sound file is uh, quite a bit smaller than a video file. So uh, as, a, as a whole, sound files um, use less space on servers and uh, take up less space on networks. But uh, they, but uh, streaming music has been calculated to have a pretty significant uh, carbon footprint too, and part of it is uh, the ubiquity that people people have mm. gotten into the habit of streaming music all the time. Or, yes, you know, going, going back to YouTube, um, you're just leaving YouTube open uh, to play music videos when in fact they're they're really just doing it for the sound. Yep. So. Even if, you know, even when a a file is relatively small, like a sound only file, um, the fact that people are playing it, playing streaming music as well as movies all the time, um, just puts an enormous demand on data centers and on networks. And the thing is, uh, those um, uh, server corporations and network corporations over engineer the infrastructure in anticipation of future demand. Yes. So, um, so for a long time, we can uh, stream to our heart's content without putting um, extra demand uh, on the server and network. Although there was this spike at the beginning of the pandemic in March, April, April, 2020, when, when, I think Netflix, YouTube, and some gaming company all had to lower their streams to standard resolution because so Mm. many people were streaming. So that shows that even an over-engineered infrastructure still uh, gets overburdened by peak demand. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's mm-hmm. I mean it's it's really fascinating to think about that and I also I was going to ask you about the impact of the pandemic on this so you you've answered that question mm-hmm. and it it doesn't surprise me obviously that people turned to more of these services as we were kind of left without a lot else to do um mm-hmm. you know at least as we first started to kind of shelter in place and things mm-hmm. of that nature um but what I do think is is super interesting about this concept is something that we come back to frequently um In the course of examining um, environmental issues on this podcast, which is there really isn't such thing as free anything, right? So you might think to yourself, hey, um, I've chosen to not go out and buy a physical record or a physical CD or something like that Mm -hmm. to play. Well, we actually found a statistic that said that listening to an album for more than 5 hours is actually more harmful to the environment than mm-hmm. using a plastic cd or a vinyl record and so mm-hmm,
1: that's a exactly. very like
0: contrarian piece right <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm glad you found that cuz that that's um that's one of my teams um best practices is is uh, if there's some um, music or a movie that you are definitely going to listen to or watch multiple times, it's uh, better for the environment to purchase it because, sure, there's that initial production energy that goes into making the, um, the DVD or the, the CD and, and also the energ- energy that goes into transporting it, but uh, eventually it'll work out to be, um, to have a smaller carbon footprint than, um, than streaming it.
0: Well, it's so interesting because we, I, you know, would just assume to not have a physical item created period would be better. But, you know, as we start hopefully to get into a world where we do have more opportunities to recycle um, mm-hmm. some of these existing materials and, and reuse them into other things, mm-hmm. it is entirely possible, you know, of course, at least from the carbon emission standpoint, that it's, mm-hmm. it's lower if you get more usage out of it. I'm yeah. also curious to know I'm, I'm not well studied enough on the music industry and how, um, um, the artist workout profit sharing with the streaming, um, uh, you know, services, mm-hmm. but i be, I wonder, you know, it's just a question for us to think about it as an audience. Like, I wonder if, you know, in addition to potentially contributing to a lower carbon footprint, if you're going to listen to an album for a long time, if you're purchasing that album, is the artist actually getting more of a cut of that purchase than they would from a streaming service? I don't mm-hmm. know. You know what I mean?
1: Interesting to yeah. think about too. Purchasing media, either purchasing durable media or downloading a file that you purchase, is in almost every case better for the environment and also better for the artist.
0: That's fabulous. I mean, you know, like I said, it's it's just a really interesting thing for us to all consider as we start to stream music and, you know, continue to find new, new albums and new hits that we like listening to. So let's move mm-hmm. on to really what, what first came to mind for me when we were thinking about streaming was, you know, TV, movies, videos, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And specifically some of these streaming services like Netflix. So Mm -hmm. um, according to Netflix, about one hour of streaming emits about a hundred grams of carbon dioxide. So, mm-hmm. how does that match up to kind of the calculations you've thought about, and um, you know what what's going on with this problem as well?
1: Yes, yeah, the, these calculations are extremely contentious. Yes, um, that's what like, I figured. <laughs> yeah, yeah my, yeah, my team and I—we're a team of uh, uh, media scholars and ICT engineers—and we spent a year reviewing the engineering literature and reviewing the different ways that um, uh, streaming carbon footprint is calculated an ICT carbon footprint more broadly. And it's uh, it's very contentious uh, based on how you determine the system boundary, basically. So do you include data centers and networks and devices and production energy, or do you uh, exclude some of those? So there's quite a lot of variables. Um, other, uh, also the thing is that um, you can't uh, you can't really do a calculation additively. I think this is actually the most important point because okay. the uh, infrastructure is operating twenty four seven. So the data centers and servers are on, no matter how much they're being used. The network is on no matter how much is being used. Um, so streaming is using that existing infrastructure. So sometimes people calculate um, the additional energy uh, consumed by a stream, but that's, that's like saying that the whole infrastructure that was already in place is, um, is not, not related to the energy needed to stream. I hope, I wish I could think of a good metaphor for that. Maybe it's like saying, um, oh, when I, when I bake this bread, I just, um, you know, use the energy of my oven, Uh um, but not, you know, like not, not, but I didn't think about the, solar energy needed to grow the wheat or something like that. Yes,
0: exactly. Well, that's Mm -hmm. why all of this is so difficult to, I think it's difficult for consumers to wrap their head around. It's why like there's so much gray area when we talk Mm -hmm. about some of these topics. And so it's why having the conversation like we are right now is important so that Mm -hmm. people understand that, you know, sure, you can share a statistic and somebody might kind of Balk at it and then go along with their <laughs> with their mm-hmm. day. But if you kind of break it down like we're doing right now, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because there are things that are are clear enough to direct action. You, we know that ICT's carbon footprint is large. Yes, we know that it's increasing. We know that um, the demand for uh, streaming large files is a a really significant chunk of that, and the other the other significant chunk is um, artificial intelligence, okay, uh, and Internet of Things. So, and of course, uh, cryptocurrency. Yes. So, but but streaming, um, I think, is the first you know the major major demand on the infrastructure that really kind of set set the pattern of this out of control growth that people still think, you know, often think is virtual or invisible.
0: Yes, so I- absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I like that you brought up the other areas too. We actually have a really popular article on Brightly about the environmental impact of NFTs and crypto. And it's been mm-hmm. one of our, you know, most visited articles just because it it is fascinating. But like the average American is not mining cryptocurrency, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like thinking about, um, mm-hmm. you know, what you know how long we're actually spending doing this we found mm-hmm. um a statistic from abc news that was saying that the average american spends almost 12 hours each day connected to some form of media which is kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm. so that includes that includes tv smartphones mm-hmm. video games etc um and you know, that number is also kind of bloated because people do use different forms of media simultaneously. But, um, you know, you brought up the Internet of Things and you can think about, you know, just even the notification systems that go Mm -hmm. into your phones and the Mm -hmm. fact that, like, you know, these types of systems are required to be on all the time in order yeah. to serve you that. So they're kind of operating in the background. You probably don't even know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking more about our consumption from that aspect is is very interesting, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. As you're saying, in many cases, it's a it's a forced consumption that mm-hmm. if you sign up for certain platforms, you know, you're required to um, keep a certain amount of information flowing um but there there are there are a lot of a lot of things that we can do at the consumer end to um to limit demand cuz basically that i mean bef- i really appreciate that you um uh separate consumption and activism cuz activism is is necessary but there's a lot of things that we can do in terms of consumption in order to limit our our individual demand yes and and uh you know cumulatively that makes it less attractive for uh telecoms and media corporations to say oh we have to continue to expand the infrastructure in anticipation of new demand and honestly yeah. I'm not I'm not super optimistic about it because they just seem to to be, um, intent on expanding infrastructure and, and, uh, you know, so many, um, you know, the phone companies and software companies and platforms are all advocating more and bigger, but I do think that a consumer movement of, um, uh, conscious streaming we could say could help to decrease that demand.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing that can help, you know, cause There's always like a conversation we have around like, yeah, realistic expectations of ourselves, realistic Mm -hmm. expectations of like, you know, how we have to engage with technology for our jobs, etc. But I Mm -hmm. think the more that you're right, we can take a step back, understand what our personal impacts are, see what we can do to reduce, Mm -hmm. um, and then also support companies that are trying to make a difference, right? And so when you, you mentioned sort of the Um, kind of secret bargain that we strike with certain uh, companies in order to get things for free. Like we, Mm -hmm. that's advertising, um, push notifications, all of these things, um, you know, sub, finding products that don't uh, require you to have this information flow happening all the time is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I also am interested in you know thinking about supporting companies that are trying to do a little bit better from their energy consumption levels. Um, mm-hmm. I, I saw that Netflix is working towards achieving net zero greenhouse gas emissions. I mean it's saying that they're trying to do it by this year but like mm-hmm. just thinking even more about pushing these companies to do better right?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of research into, um, uh, net zero and, um, how, uh, how a, uh, media platform can be net zero and that often that entails, um, passing on, passing on some of the, the energy work to, uh, to other companies. So for example, Netflix mm. is, um, Uh, might be carbon neutral at source the way uh, um, uh, Alphabet claims to be, but um, at various points in the network when other companies get involved, then that that promise no longer holds. Got it, yeah. Yeah, so I I agree with you that it's really important to pressure the companies, but also to be very aware of the many ways that they can kind of do a, a bait and switch about it. But I do have some suggestions for consumers. Do you want to hear them? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and we've touched on a lot of them. Um, the, you know, the first is uh, uh, you can limit your streaming by using using fi- physical media or using files that you own and have on your own device. Yep. Um and another very simple one, and really important, is to decrease the resolution uh instead of using the default resolution you know decrease it as low as you can stand it and that might be, <laughs> <laughs> you know that would be hard if you're if you're watching a you know a gorgeous uh, movie on Netflix, but you know if you're watching like a a meditation video or a cooking show or you know um you know something else that is more about the informational content you know do um uh, uh, squish it down to, <laughs> very like, very in interesting those. yeah yeah and uh also if you are uploading files um compress the heck out of them uh i i run the uh, small file media festival and we're a festival for movies of under 5 megabytes <laughs> I and, love this. <laughs> yeah, they're they're gorgeous movies. Yeah, a little bit hard to see sometimes, but really beautiful. And on our website, we have uh, lots of tips on um, how to make a small file video. So that's another thing. If you're uploading, um, just take, you know, use Handbrake or something to just squash it down to a much smaller file. Um, yeah, we talked about uh, keeping your phone as long as possible um uh another thing that i really like is uh getting physical media from the library
0: yes way,
1: yeah it's great because you're not you're not you don't have the problem of um you know stimulating more production you're sharing with lots of people uh so that that's a good um a good alternative
0: Well, and maybe while you're there, you'll get a book (laughs) (laughs) and and have some offline fun as well. Right. (laughs) Yes. Um, you know, and I think we, you know, there's always, especially like during energy awareness, uh, you know, marketing times, people are encouraged to kind of turn off the screens and go outside. And obviously Mm -hmm. that's another one, right? Like, trying to not rely on um the screens to occupy a hundred percent of our time. Mm-hmm. Actually one that just came to mind for me, which drives me crazy when my husband does this, but sometimes we will be watching a show and he will also be on his phone, like kind of yeah. half paying attention. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, okay, well if you're not gonna actually consume the medium to the point that you made earlier about just having music on in the background, well then maybe it just maybe you should just stop doing that, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> be more right. mindful. Yeah. I mean yeah, you know, because I'm a you know a film film scholar. You know, I love movies, and I think they're they're precious. You know, any any media is uh is precious, and I think um, to have the idea that there is an infinite supply out there, yeah, you know, there really isn't, but there's there's a lot uh-huh. makes it um makes us less likely to really cherish whatever yes. we have in front of us and if we had and and it's because we well we we don't have a model of scarcity because it doesn't appear that we need scarcity but now we are learning because of the carbon footprint of streaming that we do so i'm saying that scarcity can actually help us to really treasure you know the movies and music we have and give you know give them our full attention and um uh and then we have and then we're satisfied and we can uh, go and do something else
0: absolutely and selfishly too i would love for some of these streaming services to stop creating like so much content um mm-hmm. and create like fewer better quality shows right yeah. like sometimes i'm just like blown away with like how bad some of this stuff is and they you know they, they push it out constantly i think they yeah. actually even I, and it's it's possible you talked about this, um, you know, in some of your literature, but it looked like um, Fortune magazine found a, a piece of information saying that half of the emissions, um, you know, that they're calculating from um, half of these carbon uh, carbon footprint emissions are coming from the physical production of new content too, oh, right? So like, you know there's, there's, that's not a free uh, cost either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But
1: that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. I feel too that with, with the really crappy shows that they're turning over really fast, I, mm-hmm. I feel the, I feel the algorithm, you know, speaking to me, I can see the algorithm <laughs> for, for making media addictive. You know, I've noticed that a lot of Netflix shows actually get um, kind of more, more salacious, uh, as they go on episode to episode and more like, Oh, this is so bad. I can't stop watching. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. I, I think yeah. That they've figured out that um, uh, that that is a really good way to, to addict people.
0: Um, interesting. I'm well, you know what? I am sure they have got that down to a science just oh, like yeah. we all know that, yeah. you know, Facebook did with the news feed and all oh. those things. Well, This has just been so interesting to chat about, Laura. I think that we all, like, after listening to this episode, are going to come away kind of rethinking again, like, our current sort of, I guess, everyday activities around Mm. streaming and maybe just being a little bit more mindful. That's what we ask everybody who listens to this. We understand you're not going to go out and cancel your streaming service subscriptions anytime soon. We're not even asking you to do that. But just Mm. being more mindful, understanding Mm. that, like, just because you pay, what, $10 a month for some of these, um, doesn't mean that, you know, it's, there's no more cost incurred, Mm -hmm. right? There's definitely a cost occurring to the environment. Um, but Laura, we actually like to end our podcast, um, with kind of the same question we ask of all of our guests, which is what is exciting you the most about sort of this movement of conscious consumerism that you Mm -hmm. see happening right now?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question, Laura. Um, well, it it is uh it's actually the small file media making cuz it's mm. just um, excuse me it it's just it's just so uh so moving and so hilarious when um uh artists and media maker, makers step up to the challenge of um making a movie that is a very small file and it's uh it's so creative um, so, you know, brilliant and satisfying. They can be really beautiful. These movies that are less than five megabit megabytes in size and uh, less than five minutes in length. And they're really an inspiring way to say you can have satisfying movies that travel lightly on the planet. So I'm hoping that the small file movement is going to become a global phenomenon. <laughs>
0: that's so cool well I'm definitely going to check that out after this interview I think that's so interesting and yeah just like even using something like file size as a way to reach people from an educational standpoint and get them interested in the movement is so cool but Laura I just want to thank you for for coming on the podcast and having this quick conversation with me I learned so much um, and you've inspired me to be more mindful so thank you well it's just a delight talking with you Laura thank you a whole lot Thanks for joining us on another episode of good together to get show notes and more head to brightly.eco slash podcast and as a special thank you to our listeners use code good together to get 10 percent off all products in brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home finally don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social where i know you can find us at brightly.eco Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.